welcome to the Book of Medora podcast. We talk about all the Zelda games. I'm your host, Crystal. And with me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. I'm just kind of going with it. Yeah, Woo! we're all excited because we used the main theme of Age Calamity for the intro to this podcast. And it's a pretty good main theme. It's a pretty good theme. This is a, this is a, it's not the 20th canonical Zelda game, but it's pretty meaty. <laughs> oh, are, are, so are you saying that this isn't a Zelda game or that it's not canonical or both? Or it's not the 20th. It's, well, I, all of those kind of go with each other. <laughs> oh, so you would suggest that this game is not canonical. Yeah, this is this is a spinoff. You know, it's a cute little spinoff. Interesting. It, it's meaty in the sense of, man, there's a lot of cutscenes and they're voiced and it's, you know, a, a big epic war story. You know, Hyrule Warriors 1 wasn't like that. Do you remember the conversation that we had back when this game was first revealed? Where it was like, oh, how much story do you think this was going to have? We were all hedging our bets real low to keep it under control. Because it's like probably close to the same number of cut scenes as was in the first game. It's no, two and a half more. hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a two and a half hour film. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's 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 meaty in that sense, but it's also a, a pretty straightforward story about the egg saving the day. The, would would you say that the two main characters of this story are Zelda and the egg? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, Link is is he's a there. Side char- he's there, and he's a, a big side character. He's third string at best. Yeah, about on par with Impa. Um, maybe any of the champions, really. Uh, a little bit more than that. Link, Link I, I was surprised they didn't have Link, I don't know, have an internal conflict or something about being the chosen guy. Yeah, he he didn't have the, that. His story was Breath of the Wild, and this just isn't his story. Because there's a point in Chapter 3 or whatever, and everyone's like, oh man, who's the knight? Someone's got to be the knight, but we can't find him. And then Link's the knight, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, well... It that's, wasn't. It wasn't going to be anybody else. That's sort of Link, right? Yeah, it's what I like about him, and why people say that he's very shallow as a character. And one of the things about it is that, like, if you view Link's story from the outside, then any of the Links appear to show up from nowhere to fi- fulfill these utterly critical roles with no build-up. They're just there. Yeah, they're just they a, do their job. Like in Wind Waker. Tetra's like, oh shit, how am I going to handle all this? And then it's just this weird kid from Outset Island wearing pajamas who refuses to let her go off and rescue his sister by herself. And he's like, let me come. And then he turns out to be the most important actor in the story. Yeah. That's just Link. Well, yeah, but in that example, Link has like emotions. Yeah. This this is definitely... um. Breath of the Wild Link was lent texture through contrast because Breath of the Wild Link, as you play him, is a very emotion-filled, colorful character who enjoys things and, like... is kind of sarcastic. ...reacts to stuff and has dialogue and is an asshole. But that's in contrast to the one that exists in the flashback cutscenes where he's the much more traditional Link-style character who doesn't react to things very much. Or holds himself back specifically. And what makes Breath of the Wild Link interesting is the gap that exists between those two depictions. Though the modern day depiction by itself is fairly interesting. And all we have here is that past Link. 
Now, in fairness, this is the most himboist link that there has ever been. <laughs> in what sense? Okay, so there's a scene, I want to say in chapter four or five, where Urbosa and Zelda are having a very important conversation about Zelda's ability for, to fulfill her duty and how she feels she isn't measuring up to the other champions, including Link. And while they're having this big conversation, Link is in the background eating rocks while the other guards are cheering him on to eat more rocks. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> also with the, the Gorin uh, roast. Yeah. That he just eats. Yeah, Daruk's like, here, try this. And he's like, well, okay. And he just starts fucking chowing down on this red hot slab of stone it i suppose it's strange to me that nobody acknowledges that link is like not a typical guy because no. Rivali, you know Rivali's an asshole but he's like this this weenie this wimp is supposed to be our knight he's nobody special it's like no he clearly is <laughs> he's over <laughs> he killed a thousand guys not 15 seconds ago Rivali. I mean, they're all killing about a thousand guys. Fair, but also he's eating rocks. And normally, maybe Rivali thinks that's normal because he's got a gizzard. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Link easily is the best fight person. Yeah. I, th- I think that that's part of what makes Rivali good in this because he sees proof over and over that Link is a really good fight person. He's always like, oh, I don't fucking know about this one. Who's your favorite fight person in this game? To play? Yeah. Well, Monica only ever played Link. I only play Link, sorry. Which means I didn't actually get to play Link that much. So there's a pretty big gap in my awareness of it. Let me think on that for a minute. Who's yours, Crystal? Uh, number one, Impa. Yeah. Number two, Link with a spear. Oh, yeah. Number three, mm-hmm. Mifa. Yeah. Number four, yeah. Riju. Yeah. Uh, really, Riju? That's an unusual pick. I just, I just like that she fights with their big sand seal. It's in terms, hilarious. In terms of flavor, yeah, she has to be near the top. She's always like, get him, Patricia, and her seal just, like, stabs him in the face. Um, there were some twists for characters. We we expected the four new champions. Yeah. That that we called in the trailer or the demo, I can't recall which. Yeah. But, uh, Crystal, which one of the, the unexpected characters would you say is the most unexpected? I... I don't know if any of the characters I found particularly unexpected. Really? I guess Koga was a little bit of a surprise, but not that much. Uh, Monk, what's his face? Oh, I didn't get him. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Did you, you ever get, get, get the... Did you get the... Oh, how do you get him? You do side quests. Ah, uh, see, that's the prop. Yeah, you also can do side quests to unlock the great fairies. Oh, that's a good one. All four of them. And the actual credits and final ending is in the post game by doing a lot of side quests to, well, you know what? We'll talk about it after we talk about the main plot. Mm. Um, I think that my favorite character to play just as a moment to moment character to play is either Zelda with the Sheikah slate because she is just wild busted Um Sidon is actually really fun, though I think I actually prefer Mifa. They're too, they're so different from each other, it's hard to compare them. Uh, Urbosa's really cool. I think that any given character in this game is as good or better than the best character in the first Hyrule Warriors, just as a thing to play. Yeah, it's a good action game. Uh, the battles, the, the way the scenarios are set up feel epic. Yeah. 
Including the battle where one of your objectives is, no shit, kill 20,000 guys. Which one is that? That's the one where you play as Urbosa and Riju in uh, Va Naboris, wiping out all the monsters and guardians that are trying to converge on uh, the Fort Hitena. Oh. Now, what I like to do for those is I eat the mac and cheese that makes it so killing guys recharges my special attack. And that yeah, still yeah. counts for the divine beasts. Oh, so that's I just really always true. have a special attack. I never thought to do that. That's creative because a few of them are a little bit tight. I, I actually like the divine beast sections much more than most people. And I played that particular one. I can't remember why I played it so damn much. I think it was just to get to the Fort Hiteno. But yeah, it's like, it, it really feels like a war in the way that Hyrule Warriors did not. This this game is how Nintendo killed off an entire genre of fan fiction. Because why would you do a big war, t- realistic, epic battle fan fiction about Breath of the Wild when Age of Calamity is right there? They made it. They made the game everyone wanted. They, it is, and there's so many ways in which this game feels like an apology for and repudiation of the particular problems that people who liked Breath of the Wild still had with Breath of the Wild. I don't know if it's something that everybody wanted precisely because monitoring some of the discussion when uh, the plot to Age of Calamity sort of emerged. There were a bunch of people who were very unhappy that it didn't line by line go through the the, the prologue to Breath of the Wild. Uh, well, <laughs> there wouldn't be too many missions because uh, Gan won pretty quick in that one. That's true, but they thought that it would be like it's it's like that thing where you know some people still have convinced themselves that Final Fantasy VII remakes sequels will basically follow the major beats of Final Fantasy VII. Well, the reason they convince themselves is because Square Enix has said that. Well, you, but you and I know they're lying. Yes, of course. <laughs> I think Nintendo also. Uh, various people have stated things that led people to believe it would be exactly yeah. you know the fight 100 years ago. Yeah, but as soon as that demo came out and it was time travel bullshit. As soon as you see the intro sequence. Like we the three of us knew. Yes. But yeah, I don't I don't think people should have expected this to turn out exactly like the background of Breath of the Wild. That that was that was never realistic. Oh, well, to be fair, the egg it does give them an edge, and the evil egg gives the bad guys an edge too to make it a prolonged war. But the first half or so of this game is probably not like radically different from how the prologue went before. Really, I feel it, like it's quite different. I mean, there's more epic battles than there would have been, but uh, up until the uh, future champions come in to save the day, that's when things start really diverging. Like, about the half mark. Yeah. Let me grab... Wait, I have my notes. Yeah, Monica has notes. She has to run and get her notes. I don't know why you didn't just hold on to them and bring them over here. Because the way that we view it is, ever since we started playing, we've always been under the impression that it deviates pretty strongly almost from the start. Because... Well, Crystal, let's, let's start this off by just doing a recap of the story, like we usually do. Okay. Why don't you take us through it? The year is 10,000 after Calamity. 
Okay, the calamity yeah. has woken up again. The best. Oops. Everything's bad, but uh, the egg, Terrico, wakes up in Zelda's castle and opens a gate of time to the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> woken up by Zelda's power. Woken up by Zelda's power, the Triforce, the Helia usurped from the gods. <laughs> Opens up the gate to the past, goes to the past. The malice follows him into the past. Yes. And this creates a catalyst by which the egg is able to power up the good guys and the malice is able to infect the past egg to power up the bad guys. So now they can have epic battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how petty Ganon is. It's just the most evilest thing for him to do and the pettiest, which is this egg is fucking with a timeline. Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, Zelda loves this egg is Zelda's pet. It's my pet now. That's the only reason why he possessed that egg. Yeah, it it brought back all of its knowledge into the past regardless. Like he could have possessed like a regular guardian. Yeah, or just a guy or a guy. I'm sure that Aster would have been all for that. Well, but it's anyway, the anyway. Green Goblin's advice. You have to go for the heart. Yeah, the Green Goblin. Oh, I bet those have been interesting uh, MCU Complete Me episodes. The Green Goblin's a great character. Oh, he is fantastic. So, uh, the the egg uh, tampers with the slate. It's brought back information about the Calamity breaking out. And uh, now all of the slate features are unlocked in the past. All of them. And when do we think this is in the past? We talked about this a bit in the trailer. How far back did Terrico go, go. from that time, Crystal? Uh, maybe like a year. Feels about right. Yeah, yeah. Like the events of this game take place over the course of about a year. Because yeah, a year to gather up the champions makes sense to me. And to have a big war. Yeah. And to have a long discussion about who the... the Bear of the Master Sword might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Link at the start of this is just a, a soldier. Just some guy. Hasn't made a name for himself. This intro sequence is quite a lot like the intro to Hyrule Warriors the first. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Link's just a, the, the one slightly weird-looking guy amongst all the other nameless soldiers. And uh, I guess he distinguishes himself because he fights good already. But he doesn't have the Master Sword. He just has a sword, and he doesn't have a helmet to weigh his brain down. Isn't he wearing a helmet at <laughs> no, first? No, he's not. Oh. I guess it's too big for his head. Everybody's like a head and a half taller than him. Yeah. There's only one short king in this entire franchise, and it's Link. <laughs> Aster's kind of a short king. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah, I know some real uh, noticeable height differences here. Like, Sidon and Mipha was real big gap. Uh, Aster next to uh, Suga and even um, Koga. Koga was a pretty big gap. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'd have to get their um, their models next to each other to really see it. And uh, um, the egg ends up activating a tower. Yes. Important. And I guess this is this is the part where it already actively diverges because. Link is appointed to be Zelda's bodyguard. Because he killed a thousand guys. Yeah, a thousand plus, easy. <laughs> well, everybody else was just sort of fighting one. Yeah. I suppose this is the moment of divergence, but in, in Breath of the Wild, I didn't get the sense that there were 
supposed to be this many monsters around. There weren't. There weren't, no. There specifically weren't. That's what the big divergence that starts here is that when the monsters show up, it's like that number didn't appear in Breath of the Wild until the Calamity was freed. Or maybe about the sequence where like Link gets his hand injured, that memory. Uh, that because was still like just a, a very Lynels. small amount. There were like three Lynels in that There pile. was like 60 guys, not a thousand. That's true. Okay. But I think that one of the things is that when the Calamity sent its malice into the past and possessed past Terrico to become the Harbinger Ganon, uh, Harbinger Ganon is basically acting as an early version of the Calamity to accelerate all the events leading up to its release. Yeah. Oh, like the Malice got there a little earlier. Yeah. That makes sense. Or they showed up at a similar time and the Malice didn't do Terrico's thing where it passed out. Well, Ganon knows what to do exactly. Yeah. To futz with everything. Yeah, because it's like Terrico showed up and he collapsed. And the impression that you get from a little bit later is that the Harbinger has actually been running around for weeks or months while Terrico was out of commission. Okay, that makes sense. It's a Sheikah slate that Impa clumsily throws through the air um, that uh, activates... Y'all keep going, I gotta go stretch some dough. That that activates Terrico for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it could have been an unspecified amount of days or weeks. Yeah, now the Sheikah Slate is active, and it's taken to Pura and Robbie, and they they see a bunch of photographs from the future. This is also a very notable moment in the game, because they they went and they, I wouldn't say retcon, (laughs) they corrected the dialogue here, uh, about the ancient tech lab. Oh, yeah? Is it different? <laughs> yes. Originally, uh, when the game first came out, it talked about the... They mentioned the Hatano uh, lab. Oh, yeah. Which confused a lot of people and uh, upset some people about the accuracy. <laughs> but they, I guess they re-recorded the lines and corrected the, the the display text and it is now the properly the ancient tech lab uh, in the memories like in the memories good I'm glad they fixed that <laughs> I don't think Nintendo has ever done that before which is another sign that this is not a canonical Zelda <laughs> exactly let's see um, what did you think about Pura and Robbie uh I don't know. They're fine. <laughs> I'm surprised they weren't playable. I, I'm surprised that they haven't mentioned... Like, I assume they're going to be the playable characters in the second part of the DLC. That makes sense. But, uh, yeah, they really are trying to be ambiguous about it for the longest time possible. And it's very strange. I, I like that all of the Sheikah are extremely hyper-competent, genius ninjas... Ninja but they're scientists. also all eccentric. <laughs> yes. Um, I also appreciate... Pura's design is really nice. I'm glad she... Her her behaviors make a lot more sense as an adult than the sort of weird kid, whatever it was in Breath of the Wild. They reverse engineered like an adult like woman from the little 20-something-year-old woman who still acts like an absolute goblin who just, like, doesn't make any sense. 
Like she she acts she's a twenty something year old woman who still thinks that she's fifteen and is trying to be that kind of e girl. It's a lot funnier that way than the actual ten year old or whatever. Yeah. Her and Robbie are both performing a lot of gender. Whatever do you mean? Well, you know, like you said, Per Per is kind of acting like an e girl, and Robbie's like a like an Elvis type. For some reason, yeah. Well, he loves dancing and showing off his moves. I I didn't really get that sense from his character in Breath of the Wild. I guess he sort of did that. Robbie was also performing gender really hard in Breath of the Wild. Well, yeah, but that was. I mean, being married to a woman literally half his age when he's a hundred and. 20 is uh that that's that's a certain kind of performing gender and being really into your your former girlfriend uh, yeah robot well robbie doesn't have as much energy to be elvis because he didn't take the reverse age potion that's true yeah mm. now you got me thinking about that particular part of breath of the wild again somebody on that team Per, it's just weird to look at Pura because she's like reverse engineered from little girl Pura. It's like what Pura, little girl Pura would look like in 15 years. But it's like, it's like they kind of just like took the character and stretch her out a bit. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know. I didn't really get that impression. I thought she looked really good in Age of Calamity. She's supposed to be about 20 odd here, right? Ish. But yeah. younger... Older than Impa. I mean, she doesn't have the frilled skirt or anything. She's actually wearing a lab coat, and she's she's dressed pretty normally. Like she's chic, but and not chic the chicah c h i c chic. But she doesn't look like the whatever the fuck was going on with her design in Breath of the Wild. When I see her, I just see like Asian lady who really wants to be a lot younger than she is, like a fifty year old Asian lady who's being like in her early twenties. I feel like some people out there might recognize what I mean. I mean, Impact could be like 16 and she could be like 18. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you really look at and compare their designs, which I'm posting into the Skype chat right now, I think there's a pretty big gap between them. Yeah, you're right. I my memory of Baby Pura was uh yes, you're right. It was it was not quite as extreme as the game itself. So, uh Calamity Ganon aside from issuing waves of monsters uh far larger and earlier than expected, also did a targeted move to infect uh the Lost Woods oh, Rock yeah. Forest with monsters so that it's Virtually inaccessible to to everybody. Did y'all get that far while I was stretching dough? Uh, no, there was. We talked about the tech lab a bit in the retconning. Oh, okay. Is is that before? I thought that was after they got all the champions together. Like they get the. Oh, monster. yeah. I I didn't really note all the getting the champions. <laughs> yeah, so we think we go and get the champions. <laughs> I noticed their language is very careful in this game. You do not kill anybody. You, you KO, KO enemies. You sure do. So <laughs> when Castor is pretending dust. to be Urbosa and you are killing all the Gerudo, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't, it's fine. I especially like the part where where Koga... It, Koga is 
I just want to say Koga is low key maybe the best character in this game. Yes. Like what? Like people were disappointed in Aster because he's just like a chew in the scenery kind of sorcerer. Even though sometimes you need an evil sorcerer to chew the scenery, he was exactly the medicine that I wanted for that. But Koga, every time he's on screen, he just steals the show completely. This bit where you're going, it's like Zelda's like, we got to go see Urbosa. I bet she'd be a good champion. And then Urbosa, in scare quotes, is like, all right, everybody, here comes a princess killer. And all the Gerudo guards are like, that's a little weird, but we'll go along with it. (laughs) And, of course, because Zelda is with Link and Impa, and those two are, like, terror incarnate, they just, like, cut a huge swath through everyone, KOing just dozens and hundreds of Gerudo and making their way to the throne room. And then Urbosa's like, all right, well, time to stab you. And then she gets struck by lightning. And it turns out it's not Urbosa. It's Koga. And then the actual Urbosa walks in, and she's like, I was gone for 20 fucking minutes. I left to get milk. I told you guys where I was. You can tell that the Yiga are cousins of the Sheikah because all of them are cartoon characters in a yeah. fun way. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just Even the big serious guy. Yeah. The OC. Yeah, Suga. The, the one Dynasty Warriors character in this entire game. What is Koga's line during his boss fight? I'm going to kill you to death? Uh-huh. Yeah. Good line. Prepared, yeah. To kill you to death. Fantastic. You also go through and, and uh, KO a bunch of Rito in the Rito sequence. Yeah. And Link nearly kills Rivali. Uh-huh. That was a good sequence, too. What do you make of... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, let's say that they get Urbosa, and Urbosa's like, yeah, I'll try to pile the Divine Beast. That sounds cool. And then, I think you actually do pile it... No, not yet. Not yet. And, yeah, then you go after Rivali. Crystal, what do you make of the whole thing? Because I remember you talking to us in Discord, or possibly this podcast about how you had to kill a whole lot of Rito. Yeah. Cause Rivali just doesn't really want you around. And even when you get up to him, it's just like, fuck you. I don't <laughs> fuck you. I'm going to kill you. Well, in fairness, he thought Terrico was the harbinger. Easy well, mistake. He's right. <laughs> he is super right. But also links, not a moblin. He's just, he's too short. You notice Rivali's actually really short for a Rito too. Like Taba's two heads taller than he is. Yeah, he's got the uh, you know Napoleon syndrome. Oh, oh. shit, Rivali. Rivali's yeah. not even fun to play. I was disappointed. Um, Rivali can be fun if you do enough side quests to unlock all of his combos, and you like figure out how to do it, but once you learn how to play him, Teba is just Rivali without having to do the flight management. Teba's easily the most broken character, right? Without counting DLC, yeah. He's Mm. busted. I didn't play much of Teba. Teba's a monster. God, his final um, his final uh, combo move finisher just has him turn into basically an aerial gatling gun that almost no enemy attacks can reach and he can just put out so much damage uninterrupted for like 10 seconds straight it is easily the single most broken move in the entire game i'm glad for teba he didn't get much in breath of the wilds he didn't get a whole ton in this game but he whoops a lot of ass he gets like two more lines in this. Hey, that's like a 45% increase over what he yeah. had before. He's very polite to Rivali. And Rivali's actually polite to him. 
It's like it, he's Teba's the one person that Rivali acknowledges. Is is Teba implied to be Rivali's descendants? No, no, not at all. He's just like the inheritor of his spirit, I guess. Because everyone yeah. else is related. They sure are. Okay. What do we make of the Mifa and Sidon sequence was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the Mifa you're, recruitment you're, sequence, not the side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, before we move on to that, though, Crystal, did you think, what did you think of that sequence where Zelda keeps Link and Rivali from killing each other? Was that pretty cool? That was a cool fight. I wish she hadn't stepped in. <laughs> Link would have killed Rivali. Good. Oh, <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, it would have been you know like a like a Goku Vegeta situation where Rivali was beaten, but now he's carrying a grudge. Oh, I see. Yeah, because because when Zelda stops them, she's like, "Stop!" and Link stops his sword short, but Rivali lets loose that fucking arrow. Rivali already let loose, and Link has, I guess, parried it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Rivali was trying to kill Link, just trying to ice him completely. It didn't Missed. work. I guess so. Rivali's a punk. I don't care for him. Yeah. <laughs> I love I mean, him. He's, he's such he's a funny perfect, flavor. perfect asshole. This asshole motherfucker, I can't get enough of him. You need at least one like that. And if they had to pick one, Rivali was the right one. Because, like, Link goes up and prepares to deliver the killing blow to Ganon. And Rivali's like, don't screw this up, you screw up. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Here's the thing about Vegeta. Vegeta was good at fighting. It's true. Rivali doesn't really stand out because, of course, he can't because the champions have to all be equal. That's also true. Except he's not even really equal. He's worse than the other champions. How do you mean? It's not as fun to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'd say that he and Daruk are similar in terms of fun levels, but Urbosa and Mifa are way, way, way above those two. Mifa's really good. Mifa's so good. Like, even just using her regular combo string where she does the flippies with her spear and swings it with her feet and stuff, it's just, it looks cool and it feels cool. Those healing fountains are very important in some missions. They really are. Like, and her special ability and how much it can heal your allies. It can heal them so much. Ah, uh, it's good. Oh, speaking of Mifa, um, I so so as we'll say that as the third mission, we decide to go after Mifa, right? And it's like this. This sort of replaces the sequence in the past of Breath of the Wild, where Mifa was originally recruited uh, after Link had obtained the Master Sword. But go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the memories of Link and Mifa getting married don't really fit into this game. You know, it's funny you say that. It is super funny that you say that. And shame on Monica for not being here for this part. I think she's off stretching dough. But there's actually a side quest. You're going to have to turn your headset down again when you get it plugged in. Just FYI. Um, There's actually a side quest. I don't know if you did it. Where you play as Mifa. And the premise behind it is that Link is overwhelmed. And you have to go in and rescue him before like the last enemies make their way to him. And your reward for completing this side quest where you play as Mifa to rescue Link is that Link can now equip the Zora tunic. 
or the Zora armor that she made for him. Oh. So at the end of that side quest, Mifa gives him the armor. And it's... It's not discussed it's, at it's all. Not, it's not textually addressed, but he does take that armor and you can have him wear it. Now, is this available before or after the part where she talks to Daruk and is like, maybe we can train sometime so I can be strong enough to to fight alongside him? After, I after. believe. Okay. She becomes strong enough to fight alongside him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is this could be the timeline where they actually get married. Oh, Cameron. <laughs> I'm serious. She gives him the the armor and he accepts. What the fuck do you want me to say? I I think we, I can't recall the exact line that's that describes the mission, but I don't think it's really expressed. Sure. Okay, sure. Yeah, there's no text for it. She just gives him the engagement ring, and he's later wearing the fucking engagement ring. Without knowing that it's an engagement <laughs> ring. <laughs> I swear to fucking God, woman. They are engaged by technicality, but he is not. Oh, come on, Crystal. <laughs> I expected this out of if, Monica. If you I really trick someone that. into signing a marriage contract... <laughs> Like, okay, legally you are married. The implication (laughs) is very much that she formally proposed to him after rescuing him. Because that's just a thing that these writers like to do, apparently. People fall in love after being rescued or rescuing. Yeah, but if he doesn't understand that he's being proposed to... He grew up (laughs) among the Zora, hearing stories of the Zora past... It would be very difficult for me to buy that he doesn't understand or that Mifa would not explain to him in the case where he didn't understand. Mifa would be too nervous to explain to him. Absolutely. Previously, she was too nervous to give him the armor, but she managed to do it this time. I think you can read that (laughs) sequence as being that... Look. All I'm saying, it's a valid reading to say that she proposed and he accepted. It's a valid reading. Cameron has hope. It's not hope because we'll never see it paid off. That's not hope. I'm just (laughs) saying it's a valid reading. What I'm saying is that Link's going to log into the Sheikah Slate, go to Facebook.com, and he's going to be wondering why Mifa has him listed as husband. You too, I swear (laughs) to fucking God. I felt so bad for... I'm never going to feel bad again if I make you cry over shipping shit, goddamn. <laughs> oh. No, I, I acknowledge it is it is an Too open late. possibility. Too late. What, what I can't acknowledge it now? No. Mm-mm. Too late. <laughs> it was a nice side quest. The the side quests in this game add a lot of flavor. I wish there could have been a little bit more, but I guess this is probably the only r- real way it would have gone down. Like a little bit of a text update on like, you know, kid wants to do some training, help him. Or that long prolonged sequence of side quests where Link has a mysterious female tutor. Swordmaster. Swordmaster who goes off into the wilderness in the end. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what was up with his Swordmaster, but she she was like a cool character that you never actually meet. And you only learn about her from her relationship with Link. Who she keeps on training? Yeah, that's his mom. Sure, why not? Isn't there? Isn't there something like that? What In am Breath I of the Wild, of? Jojo. 
Uh, yeah, JoJo Part 2 does have that where Lisa Lisa is um, Joseph's mother, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah, secret mom tutor. Did you two already talk about Baby Sidon and trying to fight the Lionel? <laughs> Baby Sidon's so cute. Tell us about it, Crystal. Tell us what happened. He's, he's just a little baby. He's very small. Yeah. <laughs> and his head's so much bigger than his body. Uh-huh. Just like a baby to appeal to my baby, take care of the baby instinct. Yeah, and it works. He, he tries to fight the Lionel. <laughs> the Lionel of Plymouth Mountain. The Lionel of Plymouth Mountain. <laughs> he shows up with a Zora spear and it, he's just shaking like a leaf in the wind. But he's like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> the spear is bigger than he is. <laughs> it's so much bigger than he is. It's not clear how he's looking. so big, he doesn't even get up to the Lionel's knees. Yeah. <laughs> And then Mifa shows up and she's like, no, motherfucker, you picked the wrong one. He's just shaking and quivering in front of the big line. He's so little. He's so baby. (laughs) And, and, And afterwards, it's like Mifa kills the Lionel and she's like, Sidon. Why would you ever do something so brazen? Also, that was pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. That was very brave. Oh, I'm glad you're not dead. Because he's just a baby and he wanted to go fight the devil. It's how he earned his boundless optimism skill. Because it all worked out. It all worked oh, out. Gosh. I forgot that Sion's head is so big that his the tail of his shark head drags on the ground. Uh-huh. Very cute. Amazing that he doesn't trip. It's amazing that they made two designs for Sidon and people fell in love with both of them almost equally. I'm surprised that baby Sidon wasn't a character, actually, like a fighting well, character. How, he's a, what's he going to do, shake know. at them? Yeah. Or, or what, does he like stumble around and then Mifa shows up to kick their asses? Sure. I, you know what, that's actually Yeah, cool. or Dorfin shows up and tries to punch them and yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I liked that scene with Dorfin, actually, where he's like, leading the battle from the front. Mm-hmm. And then he's about to like be attacked by an electric moblin because moblins can have elemental alignments because the calamity's out and about. And then he's like, oh, I guess I'm about to have to fight this fucking thing. And then he gets sniped out of midair by a big laser beam from Varuta. <laughs> that is good. Mifa said don't fuck with hers. Um, there's a cutscene after all of the champions are recruited and... Uh, it's Impa and Link with Zelda, who still stands in the bottom part of the the, the throne room when he, she talks to her dad. Uh-huh. And Rome is instantly upset about Zelda running around with uh, egg. Uh-huh. Do you think that Rome remembers this egg? Does Zelda remember this egg? She uh, she, te- does she textually does not. She has blanked out. She she will talk about it when we get to it, but no, she doesn't remember. I feel like Rome kind of remembers it at this point, or at least there's room for interpretation of him remembering, because uh, he he says this dot 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 relic, and it, I feel like that can just be shit. Like you're riding around with this stupid thing again. No, I don't get that no. impression. What about you, Crystal? I think he probably doesn't remember. It's just one of the many cruelties he's visited upon (laughs) his daughter. 
Yeah. Oh, so many people were worried that this game was going to redeem Rome. And then like 75% of the way you, you go, oh man, are they redeeming Rome? And then right at the end, it's like, nope, they sure fucking aren't. <laughs> Rome looks even worse because we learned that Zelda's mom was the one encouraging her to work on the Guardians and go exploring. Uh huh. It sure was. And she was a big enjoyer of the Guardian stuff herself. Yeah, kind of important. Yeah. And and Zelda and her mom find the mysterious uh, relic disc thing that Rome gets too. And I wish we could have gone back to that sequence because Zelda's mom would be like, Look, Zelda, this piece of technology is what's going to save your piece of shit dad later. God. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is a thing that happens around now, right? Because we're still in the part of the game where Zelda's like, "Oh, I don't know how to awaken my powers," and all the champions are together. But I'm clinging this important disc, and they can all they can all pilot the divine beasts, and Link's being cool. So I guess we're going to have to go to the to Lost Woods where the Master Sword's supposed to be, and that's when Astor shows up. If I was Terrico, I would have opened the Gate of Time to right before Astor killed the Queen. Yeah. That'd be nice. That would have been nice. But then you couldn't have the big war game. It, it's understood that Astor is the fortune teller, right? I would have assumed so. They sh- it should have. He is certainly a fortune teller. but He's absolutely not- the fortune teller. And I would say that, yes, he's absolutely the fortune teller. Because he does worship Ganon. It's just not made textual that he had the gift of foresight before the Harbinger showed up. He has a Ganon eye strapped to his forehead. He sure fucking does. <laughs> he has a Gerudo mark on his back. Uh-huh. Who is this guy? He's just some motherfucker. Fanboy. He's 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 a he's a good old school worshipper of Ganon. Yeah. Okay. That's that's rare, but they do exist. Do we make him out to be Hylian? Yes. Do we see his ears? Well, I mean, like, what are the other options? Sheikah, Grudo male. He doesn't have the right hair to be a Sheikah. Like, his hair is black. And he sure, if he is a Gerudo, then he is beyond being a short king. That <laughs> motherfucker, tiny. Yeah, probably Hylian. Probably. What do you think, Crystal? I guess he would have to be Hylian, yeah. Because we, we don't think that he's a Gerudo, right? No. He's way too white to be a Gerudo. Yeah, he's he, right. He can't be a Gerudo. Yeah. I love his voice actor in this game. Like, he does great maniacal cackling. Yeah, very impressive. But, like, the Harbinger and therefore Aster know that our party is going to go to the Lost Woods and they're going to try to gather up all the shit to get the Master Sword and they're going to go there and they're going to stop that before the Master Sword can be pulled. And during all this, Hestu joins... Joins the battle. The fifth Hestu champion. Awesome. The fifth champion, Hestu. Very unexpected. Yeah, I, I can see that. Hestu's kind of like, yeah, he, he's almost like the tingle instead of this game, only less phobic. Yeah. He doesn't come up in the actual story beyond being in the woods. Yeah. He, well, no, I can see ahead. him. Yeah, that's true. I really like that part where they're first walking past him, and Zelda has to look in his direction like three times before she really sees him, and it's only once she sees him that everybody else stops and sees him. Yeah. 
Nobody remembers Link. old Hestu. Old Hestu. The biggest Korok. And they, they get to the place, and it's like, ah, uh, Aster shows up, and he's like, I will now create evil clones of everyone, and they're going to beat up this guy who I know for a fucking fact draws the Master Sword. And when if we kill him right here, then a big part of this problem is solved. And as they're beating his ass, the Master Sword is like, Ayo, there's my boy. The, the Master Sword activates without even being drawn. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just, it's just like, because Link reaches out. Fi's like, I know that one. I smell Link. He's over there. Hey, I'm over here. And the signal that she lights is so fucking bright that Aster's like, ah! There's a lot of hand-reachy-outy on Zelda and Link's part in this. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah, no. yeah, that's right. That's right. Because, because it's actually Zelda is about to be killed and Link reaches out through protective instinct and that awakens the Master Sword to mirror what happens in the uh, primary timeline between him and Zelda. Yeah, or what she'll do a bunch more times in this. Yeah. Good good old anime drama. Um, we, we passed by my favorite cutscene in the game. Which one is that? <laughs> it was when Link fights Suga, and Suga tries to ice Zelda with uh, Kunai. Yeah. And then Teriko jumps up to sacrifice itself heroically. Uh, and then Link like shoves it out of the way. And blocks everything with his shield. Yeah. And then Terrico lands on his feet like, I cannot believe that motherfucker just did that. And then a kunai hits it in the head regardless. And then it like pushes stuff out of the way to get to Link to yell at him. That's a good cutscene. Yeah. Did you like that scene, Crystal? Yeah, I like how the kunai bonked him on the head. <laughs> he was so ready to be a hero, Crystal. <laughs> well, he can't be a hero. Well, actually, no, it'd probably be good because if he died here, then Zelda would awaken her power even earlier. he does consider himself Zelda's knight too that's textual yes that's adorable Uh, did Link fuck up the timeline sure it all worked out yeah Link it it definitely seems like the kind of thing because when Zelda awakens her power it's because Link almost died but he didn't actually die so she doesn't awaken all the way she's gotta see Terrico die before she really goes super saiyan is that how we're reading it that's mm. how it's read to me. Well, we'll get to that part when Zelda uh, second class awakens to ascend further beyond. What? So they get the Master Sword and Aster is run off. He's like, Bleh! and the cut, the frame rate for that battle drops into the single digits. Like this game is framey a lot of the times. And even for somebody who's not normally sensitive to frame rates. Monica was in that fight and she was like, I'm no longer sure what's happening. It's like two frame rates a minute. (laughs) Well, it's because, of course, this game was designed for the Nintendo Switch Professional, a very real console. Very real console that would have caused you to post ass on main if it had been revealed at E3. (laughs) People were saying that when the demo for this game came out. It's like, ah, it must be framey because uh, they're actually going to release it with the Switch Pro. Yeah, well, they they said that about Monster Hunter Rise. They're saying it about Breath of the Wild sequel. Um, I'm sure. I mm, I don't know. They're using the Switch Pro like Mother Three to to weed out all the leakers, and only after there's no more leakers will will the Switch Pro and Mother Three be released. Oh, they even tricked Bloomberg. They tricked Bloomberg. Um, so. This is the part of the game after Link gets the Master Sword that 
they cram in all of the Zelda angst that we see in Breath of the Wild. Just as much as they can get in there. Of the, you know, everybody else is so strong and great and and uh, meet reaching their destiny and I can't. This is where Link is in the background being a himbo and Urbosa is talking to Zelda about stuff and Mifa is talking to Rook about getting stronger so she can fight alongside Link and planning out the armor making in her head. Because before you get, oh, that's, I forgot, that's actually one of the things that made me think that it was um, important is that the quest where you get where Mifa gives Link the armor is led up to by a smaller series of quests where you have to gather up the materials for her, for her to actually make an the anonymous armor. an anonymous person. woman who's gathering stuff up to make armor and like everyone like King Dorfan is like oh shit it's real oh shit it's real and all the people in the Zora Kingdom are like oh shit it's real oh shit it's real and then you get to the final thing where it's like we don't even get a cutscene out of it because these bastards won't canonize anything. <laughs> they know how to tease. Yeah. <laughs> this is the scene where Robosa's giving Zelda a little pep talk about you know how Link Link is the same boy he always was. He just he rises to any challenge with no hesitation as all the soldiers and Daruk crowd around him like bro eat this rock. <laughs> Do it bro. He's just- He's double fisting the rocks. It's like, ah, nah, 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 chug, nah. Chug, chug. it's like, and they bring over a plate of more rocks with a little sprig of parsley on top of it and shit. And he cuts from that to her both is saying, you and him are the same. <laughs> That's great. And th- is this the part where they're attacked? Um, no, that was a previous cut. Scene. Oh, okay. Yeah. That happened before the master sword thing. This is around when Terrico, does the plays Zelda's lullaby? Oh, because she gets upset, and it reflexively plays Zelda's lullaby for her. And she has pushed this memory so far down that I don't think she even recognizes the, the lullaby song. itself. Yeah. She's kind of it seems familiar. She's, she's like, "What? What's? I don't understand." <laughs> Rome traumatized her really. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. Okay. How young was Zelda said to be when her mom died? Oh, she was five or six. So she she made this when she was like four? Well, I mean, her mom helped her, but yes, she quote unquote made it. They made it together. Yep. Um, From here, uh, oh, Rome harps on her a bunch more. And there's actually a, a really nice quest or story sequence where they go to the shrine that we don't see in Breath of the Wild, the Shrine of Courage. Or rather, we don't see her travel to it. Right. We don't see her. Do we see her there? Uh, is it the Shrine is of Power or the Shrine of Courage that we don't see her at? I don't remember. I don't think. We absolutely see the Shrine of Courage for ourselves. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, as a cutscene, do we see? It's either Courage or Power. I think it's Power that we don't see. Okay. I'm not sure, but I think it's Power. Anyway, I just liked. All of the quests are quite similar. Generally, you're beating up. A bunch of people, but this was sort of a more unusual, like, run around and defend somebody. <laughs> Link and Impa are running around trying to collect things to make, like, food for Zelda that she particularly likes. And things just go all to shit. And she feels bad about the fact that it's going to shit, even though it's something that these two buffoons wanted to do for her in the first place. Or are they trying to run from the forest? Both. I think this might be two quests, actually. 
Like that's the, a side. The point is they lead into yeah. each other. They they want Zelda to feel better. Uh, Zelda gives her dad a little weird square that she found earlier when she was exploring with her mom. It's it's one of the last the piece disc. the the plot disc that she and her mother found. One of the very last mementos that she has of her mother. And Rome is like, this is a stupid thing for you to carry around. Give it to me. It turns out this will be the Bible that will stop the bullet that will kill Rome. <laughs> Go figure. But that's coming up later. Um, they hold the champion ceremony around here, too. And it's great. We never get to see the, the ceremony. We assume it's quite along the same lines as in Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. But they do show us where it diverges afterwards, because at the little casual party thing... Uh, instead of a photo taken of the group, uh, Terco fucks things up. Uh-huh. Rivali flies off in a huff. Uh-huh. Yeah, Terrico just having that big-ass argument with Impa that manages to get them in a fucking cartoon cloud of dust of fists flying everywhere. God, it's just now sinking in how much Rome fucked everything up by sealing <laughs> Terrico away. Uh, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. The greatest villain in Zelda history. Like, <laughs> he's, he's the best servant of Ganon there ever was. It's like there are two kings in Hyrule history that are in the running for this. Rome and the one who did a genocide on the Sheikah. It's not clear who did more harm. I love the scene where they reveal that uh, Aster's secret weapon is the evil egg sitting on the it's, altar. <laughs> It's just an egg. They're they're paying homage to it with the banana pile. It's so cute. Because Terrico is such a cute design by default. And it's just like the evil Terrico. Because his eye is red. And here we we sow the seeds of Koga's eventual turn to the light. Because he has kind of a religious dispute with Astor because he doesn't think that Calamity Ganon is for mortals to control. Yeah. He's like, man, I know that we're like against Hyrule and all, you know, fuck the police, but I don't know if like bringing back the literal devil is the way to do this. And Suga's like, I agree with Master Koga on whatever he says. Well, also you can't control him. So like you trying to get your power from Ganon. From Ganon or controlling Ganon. That's not going to happen. Koga's like, you know he's going to eat you, right? You, you know that. And Aster's like, no. We will be the most powerful and evil of them all. Should have read up on Zant. Should have read up on Zant. Oregonum, depending on how you read that character. Yeah, bad history of uh, fortune teller successes here. Yeah. Even the uh, the Zelda two fortune teller guy died. Uh-huh, sure did. God. Oh, I, I can't wait to get to Rome. Okay, so the, the the lab, Pura and Robbie have been studying Terrico in their downtime the entire time. And around this time, they go, oh, oh, wow. And they unlock the big flashback sequence from the beginning of Breath of the Wild. And it's like, the calamity will return on Zelda's birthday in like three weeks. That's a very important, important and significant date. And it's like, as soon as they figure that out, Things start going to pot. This is really clever of Ganon. Because he's like, we're going to do this three weeks early, baby. I, I And really very clever of the developers, too, to not rehash the same 
plot and still have some things unexpected. Because, of course, if Ganon has foreknowledge and knows that, you know, they will have the same knowledge, he will move differently. He's clever that way. Um, and that so that happens before the whole trip to uh, the Shrine of Wisdom. And all the champions are trapped in their... Uh, Divine beast. Divine beast. Yes. Yeah, the devil shows up, and everything goes to pot, and the guardians turn on them, and the castle's falling. The castle falls, and they Link grabs Zelda, and he's like, "We're getting out." And Zelda's like, "No, we gotta save my dad." And Dad is like, "Link, if nothing else, get my daughter out of here." And Link's like, "You didn't actually have to tell me, old man." Why didn't Rome just run with them? What? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, why Why did he stay behind and traumatize Zelda with his... What do you think, Crystal? Death? Why did he traumatize Zelda again? Well, he was he was holding back the, the guys so they wouldn't get Zelda. Was he? Because it seems like he got smoked immediately. <laughs> he was doing okay with that sword. Yeah, but like the instant Link and Zelda get out of frame, three guardians come around and just zero in on him instantly. Yeah, but that's how all the heroic distractions work. They have to die while they're in view of the heroes that they're saving. Okay. Is that why he thought it appropriate to try to to try to traumatize her one more time? Well, that's how you awaken the power. That It just didn't work this true. time because Zelda hates her dad. <laughs> she wants so much to have a regular relationship with her father just so badly. That it will come up again later. She'll take anything. She, in fact, seems a little like they give a moment when Mifa is um, talking with Dorfan to zoom to Zelda, it's looking a little bit sad, and it's like, here's like a great father daughter dynamic, and like, what do I get? It's like Mifa and her father clearly love each other a lot, and Dorfan wants to protect his daughter, but recognizes that she is needed in ways that extend beyond the kingdom and beyond his love for her. And he's sad, but he accepts that. And Zelda's over there, like, "Oh my fucking god, is this what is this what other people have?" <laughs> Zelda immediately starts going to therapy. Um, her tears, though, you you are right, Crystal. It is her her crying here about it all being for nothing, at, at the tear hitting Terrico that activates uh, Portal Two. Right, just like the. Uh... Hilia's tear down the Sheikah eye activating the towers. Hilia's tear activates Terrico's powers. Yeah. Literal tear of Hylia. And this is where even even with all the machinations of the robots, things might have gone bad just like they did before. But Terrico calls out to the future and asks the future champions to come back and save their ancestors. <laughs> Because the Blights have done showed up and they are attacking everyone as they are trapped inside of the Divine Beasts. And just as Mipha is about to fall, there's a big flash in the sky and Sidon, adult Sidon, comes flying out. You will not take my sister again. That was good. It's fucking sick, actually. <laughs> and then Unobo shows up for Daruk. He's like, ah! And Daruk's like, hey, all right. I and, don't know what's happening, but I like it. Riju shows up for Obosa. And Riju's Patricia just comes charging out of the thunder and 
Riju's like, I brought the Thunder Helm. You really should have thought about this one, Herbosus. <laughs> Patricia's title is the best sand seal. The best sand seal. And she is. I love, yeah, how Riju fights. And I'm so glad Patricia's there. I, I like that Teba and Rival, like everybody else gets these really cool titles. Like every, I, I don't remember the titles off the top of my head. It's been a bit. But Zora Wellspring. The Zora Wellspring. What Grudo a, Tempest. Grudo Tempest. I can't remember Daruk's. Something. Goran Stalwart, I'm yeah. sure. And then there's cool ones for the future champions from both of them too. Like Boundless Optimism or some shit. And then... And then you get to Teba and Rivali, and they're both Rito Warrior. Both of them. <laughs> there were some Rivali and the odd Teba fan that were very upset by that. I mean, that, that's an p- accurate description of them. Are you a Teba head, Crystal? I'm not, I'm not much of a Teba head. I like his design, but there's not much to him. That's fair. Yeah, if it was face only, Teb would be way up there. Because even for somebody who's not normally into Birdman, Teb is pretty hot. Now, Cass is the Rito. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so these champions from the future, do we think that they're from Breath of the Wild? Are they the Breath of the Wild uh, one people that we interact with? Are they from the future of Age of Calamity? Are they somewhere else altogether? Well, it's interesting because Terrico hasn't met these people. No. In fact, they were not even born from the time that he traveled from. I mean, Sidon was, but... Yeah, everybody else wasn't. So that future hasn't quote-unquote happened yet, but he knows the most dramatically appropriate people to call. (laughs) Yeah, or it is possible that, you know, Zelda was exuding literal, you know, Hylia or Triforce powers there. Sidon has some line to link, like, what an honor to fight beside you again. So I guess he must be from Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He also, like, just that line, you will not take her again. It feels like he's from the Breath of the Wild timeline, because in this timeline... Nobody took Mifa. Yeah, but like, it, it is possible there could be like a bad end. You're suggesting, but future. why bother with that when you can just pull from the Breath of the Wild timeline? It's much simpler. That is true. And also, I guess you pointed out earlier, Cam, that if things went down badly here, it would probably be very badly. Yeah, I think that if things go wrong here, there's not going to be a dark future that includes a living Sidon or Riju, or Teba, or anyone. Because if Ganon wins here, Ganon's loose. Well, I don't know. Would Zelda awaken when she sees everyone die? Zelda by herself cannot handle the calamity as it exists in this game. Well, someone just has to rush Link over to to the resurrection. <laughs> no, I mean, like, Link and Zelda together by themselves are not enough to fight this version of the calamity. Right, because he's stronger. Because he's much stronger. Because he's also, he's also Ganon from the future. The other Ganon also (laughs) sent some of the power to Ganon, so he's like double Ganon. (laughs) So I think that if Ganon had won here, there would not be a future to pull from, so to speak. It's scary that Ganon uh, knows how to play the time shenanigans. Yeah, you'd think that that would be like the one thing that they have over 
Oh, excuse me. I got to pull dough. That's not a euphemism. I'm stretching sourdough. Um, this is about the place when it's revealed that uh, Astor, as a tryhard, is uh, harvesting Yiga souls. Oh, they're not souls. It's malice. Yiga malice? I think Malice. Yeah, I kind of read that. He's, he's pulling out the darkness of their hearts. So that's why they turn good. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So so the Yiga have this badness in them, and and Astor needs that badness because that badness is power. And then... Yeah. And and I, I can't recall this exa- exact cut scene. I think this is where um, Koga... Draws the line, right? Yeah. Now Koga and Astra are no longer friends. And and Suga, he effectively dies here. Yes. I, I really thought Suga was going to be playable as well, because he's the, the Volga character. He's even named similarly. But uh, you sure don't see him again at all, except for, I guess, his... his uh, Headdress in the end credits? Question mark. Suga bravely defended his master and died. Yes, killed. And and Koga, having seeing all the, <laughs> the shit going down, has a change of heart and a change of uh, worshippers, allegiance. Thank you, Cameron. Well, he's no longer worshiping Ganon. I he can't be right. I guess not. Maybe he's just sort of, you know, not uh, not an orthodox believer. I don't know. I think this is just another uh, facet of this being the AU where everything goes right. Even the Yiga clan becomes good guys and they follow the true faith of Hylia. I can't believe they all converted over. <laughs> they all converted. They found salvation in Hylia. I think that this 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 scene is the other half of Koga's potential heel turn because it's like Suga's fighting off the shadowy version of Link that Aster can summon and the blights are like right there and Suga's like master you have to get out of here you have to run and Koga looks around at all the dead folks and he's like yeah all right and he starts running and he gets about two feet and then he stops and he goes oh I can't leave you behind. You're my best lackey. <laughs> That's a great moment. And he turns around to fight alongside Suga, this huge coward who completely sucks and is terrible, just turns around to fight to his death alongside the one guy who stuck by him the whole time. Suga is very loyal. And Koga has to answer that loyalty through action. So it's like in the in in the morality of dynasty warriors, that means that he has some goodness inside of him. Right. If he's an honorable warrior, he's loyal to his allies. He can't be too bad. Yeah. He's good enough to be used, and he's got some hilarious moves. We'll talk about it when we get to him. Unlike uh, uh, Aster, who would even betray his allies to harvest the darkness in their hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sequence is Aster's best evil laugh, I think. This is, uh, then we get to the Akala Citadel Oh, yes. This is where shit has gone as bad as it can get. Uh, Robbie is there. You do a whole sequence, or you see a whole sequence with Varuta. Yeah, Varuta kills a bunch of guys. Yeah, seeing all the Divine Beasts firing as you're running through the level is pretty cool. It 
was great to run around um, Akala. Yeah, being there as part of that battle and making it a thing you can win instead of lose is some real... That's what I came away from the impression of... That was my big impression of Age of Calamity, is that it was a very good story and that it was fulfilling in the same way that high-quality fan fiction is fulfilling. Yeah, it's great fan fiction. Great fan fiction written by Fujibayashi or yeah. supervised by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after Akala comes Fort Hateno. So we see the Fort Hateno. Well, a modified Fort Hateno sequence. And this is where Link fights all four of the Blights at once. Before this is the bit where it's like all the monsters are coming. Like yeah. thousands of guardians, tens of thousands of bacoblins and moblins. And... Arbosa and Rizzo are like, no, no, not while we're not while we're here. And they literally kill 20,000 guys, 20,000. And they're like, I don't think that's going to be enough. This is too many guys because it's established in this game that piloting the divine beast is actually physically draining almost as much as fighting on your own is. So they're getting exhausted. And then the other four divine beasts show up to help lean it out. And then you see Varuta just wash away thousands of people in a flood and it's like wow on a plane varuta is a very scary thing yep it's between varuta and i'd say va meadow that is so fucked up the, the va meadow sequences the aerial bombardment yeah where he carpet bombs uh kokiri forest oh <laughs> like Rivali's up there in a fucking star destroyer just like raising the entire land beneath and mountains are shattering as hundreds of thousands of lasers just rain down. The Koroks are running everywhere shouting while the goblins are exploding. The Deku Tree's like, this is probably fine. The Deku Tree's just trying real hard to cast that anti-fire spell. <laughs> he's do- the he's don't doing- be set on fire spell. <laughs> he's doing his best. This is just a lot to deal with. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Okay, so th- 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 so, th- so so Link fights all four of the blights at the same time by himself. This this is the moment where Link is the biggest badass in the canon. Where he's like, "Impa, take Zelda, run," and he just stays there and he fights all four of them by himself. And Zelda's like, "I just left my dad behind. I can't do this again. I can't do this. Again. I can't do this again." She pulls free of Impa and she's like, "I'm not doing this. I can't do this." And we have a hand sequence again. The hand reach, the reachy hand. And that's when her power awakens, when she reaches out to Link with the same protective impetus that with which he reached out to her. It is a lot nicer that there is that parallel here and is a bit more mutual. Yes. As opposed to like, I realize I like this guy. What do you think of how this compares to the scene in Breath of the Wild, Crystal? I think this is good. I like that she she's able to do it before Link actually dies. Hmm. I like how it flashes back to how she, like, Link is doing the same thing that her dad did. And it makes it so that this isn't a strictly romantic thing. It's more about how she wants desperately to protect the people she cares about. The the entire game is, like, the impetus is her wish to protect everyone. Yes. It's, that, that, that line is right there. I have to protect everyone. Yeah. From, from scene one... Of Act One. Just didn't quite cover her dad for some portion of it. Whoopsie poopsie. And didn't travel far enough to include her mom either. Oh. Well. Well, in fairness, it it, it is a specific moment that Terrico knows about. 
that Terrico is just trying to reach this one moment. I like uh, Aster's reaction of that power. And he knows he's fucked. He's just completely fucking screwed. (laughs) Like Zelda pulls out the Hylia juice and just like smashes the can against her head and immediately murders all four of the blights. (laughs) She has to report back to the boss like, so she got the Triforce. (laughs) The kid got the Master Sword. (laughs) We, uh... Not looking great, numbers-wise. The the little egg is just like, mmm. I wish, I know it wouldn't have been practical, but I wish that Triforce Zelda would have been a lot stronger. She was already a pretty strong moveset once you learned how to use her. But you wanted her to just insta-gib everyone. I mean. That is how she felt, like, in Breath of the Wild. Like, if she can lock down the Calamity, she should be able to just, like, she pulls up the level editor and just deletes all the enemies placements throughout and they're just gone that's how it should feel this is why i think the difference is she she hasn't seen android 16 link uh die so she can't go super saiyan 2 she's only a half superpower well she can go super saiyan 1 but she can't go super saiyan 2 oh gosh you gotta tap into that deeper impetus this actually that does make sense Uh uh-huh she has to Because the fullness of self-actualization requires a degree of not just realizing who you are and realizing who you want to be, but also you have to suffer. Yeah. Full self-actualization requires suffering. And she hasn't quite hit that threshold yet. She hasn't felt real sorrow, partially because she hates her dad. (laughs) She doesn't want to hate her dad. She wants desperately to love him and to have a regular relationship with him. But she hates her dad. Come on. We all hate her dad. Um, Zelda is effectively leading the Hyrulean army now. She's the queen. She is the queen. She is 17 now. Yeah, she she turned 17 at some point in here. Uh, she's, she's giving the big old speeches and, uh, you know, uh, commanding them. I guess Rome is assumed dead at this point, so that makes sense. Uh, Koga and uh, the straggler Yiga join up. Yeah, it's like... You know that Suga's fucking dead. Because when Koga shows up, he doesn't say anything. It's like he shows up and people pulled their swords and he just steps in front of Zelda, gets down and does the full obeisance in front of her. Just the, the full the thing. The full bow, face on the dirt. F- <laughs> fists on either side of his head, face on the ground. He has no pride left. He wants to make this right because Aster betrayed his fellows and that can't stand and took away his best crony <laughs> he took away his best lackey um and then <laughs> that just like that whole speech that she gives wait no that's like right after that they get noticed that somebody is on the great plateau yes but they can't get to the great plateau it's too far <laughs> so pura and they they extend the uh, what the Sheikah towers have done, and Pura has discovered a way to mass warp everybody. Good going, Pura. So it's like, and actually, the Shrine of Resurrection, they do know of, because it's they travel there. True. They use it as a warp point. True. So Link could have probably still died. and Ganon would have killed everyone trying to get in there. Mm. It wouldn't have worked. Anyway, there's some dude up there. Some guy. Who could it be, Crystal? It's, it's Rome. He lived. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. 
Yay. Oh, so we go through this big dramatic fight where the, the battle on the Great Plateau is actually pretty cool because you do all this teleporting back and forth between the reactivated tower and a different part. And it's like it's one of those things where it's really good to send certain characters on different parts of the mission while you're controlling others. And you get through the whole thing. And, yeah, it's Rome. Rome's alive. And Zelda has this tearful reunion with her father. And she's like, Dad, what happened? And Dad's like, hey, uh, you know that thing that I said the plot disc. was a goofy piece of shit that you shouldn't be worrying about so much? And I took it away from you because, you know, that's just what loving dads do. Um, it turns out that when I was about to get turbo murdered, that it turned into a big multi-directional shield that reflected all the guardian lasers right back into their eyes and they blew up. <laughs> how that happened anyway i was super wrong can you ever forgive me and zelda's like listen shut up i just want a dad i just want a father i don't need you to be a good father even i just need you to be a father and rome's like okay i can do that i i can probably do that rome is this is where everyone thinks that rome is redeemed for the rest of the story everybody's like oh i can't believe that they redeemed rome that they're just going to take all that horrible shit that he did and there's never going to be any more addressing of it and zelda's just going to forgive him and that means that they expect us to forgive him Uh uh-uh i don't like it that's where this is how everyone feels at that sequence well zelda doesn't just uh forgive him but denies that he's done anything wrong i mean she's an abused child yeah I mean, you get that earlier on too when she makes up excuses for him. Yeah, when he scolds her, or reaves her out, or whatever, and she's like, "Oh, he's just concerned." I'm like, "That is like, you know, uh, classic uh, abuse, um, you know, victim trying to explain for their abuser." Yeah, that's uh, that she she's an abused child who wants her father to love her, and she's latching on to anything that she can get, and she'll absolve him of every horrible thing that's been done until she watches Android 16 die. It's 2020. Everything's a dad game. Gotta put one in for the dads. Gotta put one in for the... I don't think the dads like this one very much. I've gotten some responses on Twitter about my take on Rome. (laughs) Um, He's interesting to play, though. The worst part of Rome is that he's super fun to play. Did we already discuss and did we already agree, like, the, the Queen of Hyrule chose Rome because he, he can bring it. He, he, okay, I'm not going to say what I was just thinking. But, yeah, basically. What do you think, Crystal? Why, why, did, why did the Queen hit, hitch her wagon to Rome or hitch Rome's wagon to her? Uh, you know, it was probably like uh, a beneficial alliance with an important noble family. Really? That's the impression that you get? Really? It, it, royals don't marry for love. No, see, here's the funny thing about it. I think that maybe she did because Rome, the real Rome, he's not a king. He's the woodcutter. He's just somebody who came from a very simple background, maybe who came up through the soldiery much the same way that Link did. And the real him, the him who's at his happiest, is someone who's out in the woods without the weight of the world holding him down. And part of why he's such a destructive harmful person is because he's neither qualified nor prepared to deal with the pressure and responsibility of running an entire kingdom and being responsible for so many lives he's not not of house bosphoramus right that's just a name given to him or maybe that's just his last name originally sure it's not like a house or anything it's just his his name but yeah that he has that old man woodcutter persona does seem pretty 
Yeah, he's a woodcutter before he dies in this game. Like that that's when he wants to go off by himself in the side quest with all the extra flavor text, he goes off as a woodcutter and he'll spend like when Zelda's not when he's not needed, when Zelda's running shit, Rome will go off and just live in the woods for days or weeks at a time because that's like the life that he really knows, the life that he's good at because he's not He's not a good enough person. He doesn't have the capacity to help the people around. I don't mean to excuse anything about Rome when I say this. I just think that's the explanation for him that I see in his character in this game. That he's just a guy. It has a lot of good flavor to him. Like, I don't think it's... You can sympathize to some degree. Somebody who's wildly, you know, out of his depth with all the magic bloodline bullshit. I think that he's a better character for being a neglectful piece of shit in this game that's illustrated in the specific way he is. Because he's the worst. Just to be super clear, he's the fucking worst. But he's also, like, actually a good character who you love to hate. And he's not done yet, the motherfucker. He's a defier of of prophecy. They gave this piece (laughs) of shit the title Defier of Prophecy. The baddest motherfucking title you could possibly get. And they gave it to Rome Bosphoramus Hyrule. That's really cool. And then Zelda says, hey, what if Avengers Endgame was good? Uh, I, I, yeah, you like that, huh, Crystal? Yeah. <laughs> For it teleports all of the armies all across Hyrule to the, to the big field. Yeah. So they can all march to the castle. And with the divine beasts and everything, and all the big monsters are showing up, and the divine beasts are fighting everybody in the background, and Link and Zelda are working together, and it's just this big, cool battle. And when it looks like the champions from the future are going to get overwhelmed, the current day champions blast the big hordes of monsters that are in the field with their divine beasts, and it's just the coolest shit. They, during this, this chapter, they have you fight a whole bunch, and then they do a canonical blood moon. Yeah. I don't know that I like that. No, I love it. It's like you get through this really hard battle where it's clear that the calamity is about to cut loose. And then it's like, okay, we're we're setting everything up so the divine beast can shoot the calamity. And then they shoot the calamity because you managed to kill all the guys. And then the calamity is like, uh, we're taking Mulligan. And you're like, what? And then the blood moon comes back. And then all the monsters return, and they're angrier because they just got murdered, but they're back now because death doesn't mean anything to these creatures. And the champions are like, the Divine Beasts aren't going to be able to fire again for a little while. And Zelda's like, shit! What are we going to do? Should have eaten the mac and cheese that lets you recharge that fast. (laughs) Should have, but they didn't. Now, it's been a little while. I actually forget how they transitioned from that to going to fight Ganon. Uh, you fight up to the castle, and the last mission is fighting through the castle. Ah, uh, okay. And then you get to the castle in the big room where you would fight the final boss of Breath of the Wild. And Aster's there with the egg. Yo. The evil egg. Harbinger Ganon, who who has now transformed the cute little eggy to a bigger... Scarier eggy. Yeah, le- less cute eggy. <laughs> And uh, Terrico was invested with immense divine power. So uh-huh. now Ganon has that. Yep. Oh, yes. Which means that effectively there's two Ganons running around. And 
Like, so you have to fight Aster and you have to fight the Harbinger. And what happens when you defeat the Harbinger and Aster Crystal? Well, the Harbinger eats Aster. It sure fucking does. He really didn't see this coming. Got Zanted. Worse than Zanted, really. Because at least Zant just gets popped by Midna. But, like, he has this long, protracted, choking death where he's just, like, his his actor must have blown out his throat. Because he sounds like he is being torn to shreds. It was quite violent. It is probably the darkest death I've ever seen in a Zelda game. And it's like, and then the Harbinger is like, all right, I feel much better. But you, and he points at the other egg, you, you I don't like. And everybody's like shielding each other from the calamity. And just this little big old piece of malice hits Eggy. No. Hits little Eggy. And the Harbinger's like, well, y'all have fun dealing with that. And Zelda's like, dealing with what? And then little Eggy shoots at Zelda. He tries to resist. He does. He tries so hard. He's staggering around, his eyes flashing blue and red. Like, pew, pew. Beep, boop, beep. Oh. And then, and then they have you have you have to kill the eggy. You have to kill the eggy. Did I cry? You cried. <laughs> I, I I didn't think I was too attached to the egg, but when I saw its mangled corpse, I was like, <laughs> man, this is effective. <laughs> and so, and that's not even the worst part. It's like after you kill it, and Zelda's like, oh no, the egg. Oh, you you tried you fought so hard for us and then it sees her and it sees that she's crying and it starts playing a busted version of Zelda's lullaby because <laughs> no. its little whistle doesn't work so good but it has to play it because she's sad. Do, yeah, because she cries do, on it, which gives it a little bit do, of juice. Do do. Oh no! And then Zelda remembers the egg, and <sighs> here's the thing: we get the sequence where Zelda remembers her mother. And her working together to build the egg. And we see part of her mom. We see her mom. That was very unexpected. What the fuck? You see two seconds of <laughs> Queen Zelda's torso, which is probably yeah. just Zelda's model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. That only makes sense. What do you, what, what, what? Nintendo. <laughs> you see her from the neck down. And uh, yeah, it's, it's Zelda. She loves the egg. And the egg like sings to her, and she's playing with it, and she's having a lot of fun with it. And and it consoles her when her mom dies. Her mom dies, and then she sees a shooting star go by, and something in her recognizes it. And she says, "Mom," and then she's like, "Oh," and then she turns around, and little egg starts playing Zelda's lullaby for her, so she won't be sad. And she says, "You'll always stay with me, won't you, Terrico?" <laughs> then flash cut, and Crystal. Tell me what happens after that flash cut. Rome is is taking away Terrica. <laughs> Zelda cries and grabs the the back of his coat as she is Please. dragged on the floor on her knees. <laughs> begging Father, him. Father, please, please don't take it away. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Oh, because the man. egg is just a distraction from her uh, duties. This last memento that she made with her mother, her puppy that she built with her mom, who is dead. Incidentally, also a very significant thing that would have helped the entire fight against Ganon. 
Yes, the most powerful robot ever that would have turned the tides, even without the future knowledge. Yep. <laughs> Is this the worst thing Rome did? It's pretty bad. Yeah. And Zelda is so traumatized by her father's callous ignoring her pleas and taking away her puppy and taking away the last thing that she had from her mother for no reason that she just buries the memory completely. She just forgets because she has no option except to forget as a child. And it's like, Jesus, fuck, this game is about child abuse. (laughs) Do you think Zelda from Breath of the Wild ever regains her memory of Terrica? I hope not. Because her Terrica went... She would look for him in the crate, but he wouldn't be there. Well, she didn't know that he was there in the first place. Rome put him there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to say how it got there, but or maybe she she could have even found it later and just described nothing to it. Because it's, it's been repressed that badly. Yeah, it's like she could look at it and not know it. Um, I a part of me thinks she might remember in her goddessy state of things, but if she does, then she does know that it was sent to avert everything this. from happening. So I think it, she would be at peace with that to some degree. I hope. So Rome, who are the worst kings of Hyrule? Because like Rome is so bad at it that he kind of feels like he's knocking everyone else out of the running. I don't think anyone's worse than Rome. Like, who, who's next after that? Daphnis? Daphnis, in comparison, made completely reasonable decisions. Yeah, Daphnis just kind of got dealt a bad hands. Yeah. Not like Rome. Rome could have won. <laughs> he could have. All he had to do was not take away his daughter's <laughs> beloved pet that she built with her mom. Just let her grow up. Just let her be a kid and let her mourn. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. Just to be clear, we all hate, like, Rome's the worst. That motherfucker. I'm sorry if there are any Rome stands listening to this podcast. I don't think you're real. Look in the mirror. You might not see a reflection. Um, so uh, uh, this is the, the death moment that Zelda needs to really spur her on. Right, because the, the Calamity, which has a full body now, is, is roaring. And Zelda's trying to hold it back with her power. And the dead egg wakes up and scurries over to, to Kamikaze the Calamity. And it's like Zelda has that moment, I have to protect everyone. And you realize Terrico knew the entire time that it was all going to come down to this moment. That it existed solely to sacrifice itself to protect Zelda now. Because it's the same line as in the beginning. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the same line that it hears when it wakes up. Do you think, as as this moment is happening, the Terrico from a year ago is also waking up and making an even better Age of Calamity, where this time Suga lives? No, the Terrico from a year ago is inside the current Calamity, because the Harbinger and the current Age Calamity combined into the double Calamity. No, well, from two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> Terrico from many- two years ago, so it has, you know, even more time to get things right. No, I don't think Terrico went back in time anymore. I think there's only two Terricos. Okay. I, I think that there's only two of them. Alas, the timey-wimey bullshit only goes so far. But yeah, uh, so Terrico uses 
all the immense divine power that's invested in him to explode in the calamity's face, which basically cancels out the protection from the Terrico of the past. Yeah, two Terricos. <laughs> because with that power, neither Zelda's power nor Link could even scratch the calamity. It took no damage. Because Hylia's power, don't let Ganon eat Hylia's power. It's a bad thing. Yeah, fraction of Hylia's power. Oh, do we want to talk about that time that Link just straight up parried like 50 tons of stone from landing on Zelda's head? That was a good job, Link. <laughs> good, good job. job. That's good why job. he's you, the champion. That is why he's the champion. <sighs> is is Terrico the hero of the game? Yeah. Monica's uh-huh. is so happy that Terrico's the hero. He's not the villain. I mean, he was, but it wasn't his fault. It tries so hard to get up and run off and protect everyone. Yeah. Because one of its legs isn't working, so it has to scramble real hard. Do you think that... I guess we do seem to agree that Terrico in the beginning does understand it's here for this moment. I think so. The I must protect everyone. That moment. Is Yeah. It knew then its entire mission timeline. Well, it may not have known everything that would happen, but it knew that that moment was why it was there. Mm. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, I think so. I think that this final battle with the Calamity is really sick. <laughs> what do you think about the Calamity Ganon design? It's very Dragon Ball. What? The hair. Crystal, what do you think of the Calamity design- Ganon's design in this game? He looks naked. <laughs> he does look naked. He doesn't look much like Ganondorf. No. I know that a lot of people said that this is what they actually wanted when they fought the Calamity, but I think I kind of prefer the big, weird spider monster. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fine that he's a person, Super Saiyan here. You don't see that in the hair? No. It's Super Saiyan hair. That's just red. Ganon hair to me. But it's kind of like up, like a troll. Oh, yeah, it's a troll doll. Honestly, he looks more like Demise than Ganondorf to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You're super right. Well, uh, Link cuts him up well, and I mean, Zelda seals him. <laughs> all the champions, past and future, and Link and Zelda, just have a 10-man pile on. Yes, but then Link still has to cut do the cut scene. And Rivali tells him not to fuck it up because he knows that Link is still a screw-up who might f- just miss in the critical <laughs> moment. <laughs> and then Zelda golden hands it. And Ganon does the big punch but zelda does the dbz thing where her power is so intense that it can't punch through the orb of gold i love the music in this battle how it transitions from the calamity ganon theme to a different battle theme to the main theme of age of calamity as you get near the end like i i everyone knows that it's best when games do that but the way that this game did it in particular was very good the music is good i kind of want to edit it with the music that plays when gohan uh, kills every <laughs> cell in Cell's body. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I could definitely see yeah, that. Link is like Vegeta it... doing the final flash. And then Zelda yeah, can right. do her Kamehameha. You know what? I, act- I I do want to see that. Crystal, if you make that AMV, I will do everything in my power to put it in front of as many people as possible. <laughs> okay. Um. So the great battle is done. And the battle is done actually in the actual chamber, the bottom, the Clown again in chamber. Yeah. Notable enough. Everybody goes to the top of the castle, and the champions from the future um, say their goodbyes. Yeah, they get warped back by the last bit of magic in Terrico's eye. Uh, I think Mifa mentions that it's... She's confident that they'll meet again. Yeah. 
and, and sighed. And, um, he has kind of a breakdown <laughs> crying thing. Uh, <laughs> this is really dark, actually. Well, it, it depends because they've spent months together at this point. She knows what he's been through. Maybe. And I think what she's saying is that across the streams of time, the two of them will find each other again. That's possible. Because, like, again, they've been together for months at this point. She can't not know what happened in his future. Maybe they try to keep it I love applying shit to Mifa where it's just like, oh, well, she definitely didn't do this really obvious thing. No, but I can see the, the champions from the future going, let's not talk about what happened. Why let's not? Let's try to that's, be ambiguous. That's actually it. really good information to have. I don't know, because it could mess with... I'm sorry. So it's just how I read this scene. I, I can't imagine she doesn't know. What do you think, Crystal? I think Mifa knows the second that she is about to be killed and is saved by Sidon. That that's yeah. the moment when she would have been killed. Mm. Especially when he shows up saying, no, you won't take her again. That's fair. It's not clear to uh. me if the future champions will even remember anything that happens. Yeah, it's it, if we manage to talk to them again in the sequel to Breath of the Wild, I'd be really curious to see if they have anything to say about it because that would that would establish this game as canon. That would that would canonize yeah. this game. Why don't you see this game as canon, Crystal? Uh, well, the number one reason is that it would mess up the numbering <laughs> because Nintendo's <laughs> not going to acknowledge this game as canon. So, we're, are we going to say that the sequel to Breath of the Wild is the twenty first game, and they say it's the twentieth? Um. I mean, they don't actually number the games that way. It's just us. That's true. They don't really refer <laughs> to the games that way. I, 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 I don't know. I think this game was crafted and it was written or supervised by Fujibayashi. And so it is very canon compliant. Now, granted, it is canon compliant because they almost instantly diverged and split the timeline. Yes. And this is an alternate timeline, which... Masterful. That's extremely Zelda. Fantastic. Um, I don't think that this will ever come up again. Like, it will never be mentioned in a canonical game. I would like to put forth that you do not have to be the 21st Legend of Zelda game in order to be canonical. Mm. Or 20th, rather. Like, it can be canonical and still not be the 20th Legend of Zelda game. Like, okay, here's the real question. Ignoring the numbering problem, Crystal, could you see us folding this into the accursed timeline? Yeah, I think it fits pretty easily. Yeah, I agree with that. I I likewise don't think it is canonical. It is also not a Legend of Zelda game, but it's safe enough being put in any sort of canonical timeline because... It doesn't hurt anything. It's oh. been segmented off. Okay, let me pose this question to the two of you. Uh, Crystal first. Is this game more canonical, so to speak, than the original Hyrule Warriors? Yes. Absolutely. Given that, would both of you be comfortable amending the Accursed Timeline to include a timeline split 100 years before Breath of the Wild? Hmm... Yeah, sure. I don't see why not. I'm fine with it, too. Okay, uh, here's the last one. Because we'll just... Because this is what we'll call a soft canon so far. But the last one is, would you two consider it canon if it's referred to, or the events are alluded to, say, 
very vaguely by, say, Sidon or Riju in the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Absolutely. Yes, that, that would that's official. Okay. Okay. So I guess a- we will see in Breath of the Wild 2 if you actually do meet Sidon oh. at Al again. Well, it's going to be a dramatic irony of the intro of this episode then, because this is going to have to be uploaded as episode 23. (laughs) Is it? This is not a bonus episode. This is covering a canonical Zelda game. Okay, I'll take it. Well, in the the time snippets that we have remaining, we can cover the final beats of this game. Yes. Unfortunately, Crystal, I think that you haven't actually seen the ending, because... The post-game quest for the Age of Calamity is attempting to reassemble Terrico. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, you, you did YouTube. it? You were... Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you like the part where Impa is just like, you you ridiculous fucking thing and just beats the shit out of him like an old tube TV? Impa hates the egg. <laughs> she is not about the egg. I like how it clearly establishes that it, like, it has like a uh, targeting reticule. And it reads Zelda's face. It's very Terminator. Her. <laughs> it's it's very Terminator the way that it looks at all the different uh, champions. Like it's like, all right, there's Link, there's Impa, there's the champions, and then Zelda comes on, and it instantly has a color screen. Yeah. It only cares about one person. She's so cute. Look at them <laughs> big old eyebrows. Ah. <laughs> uh. And then you get to fight as Terrico, which Ter- is great. Ter- Terrico's a pretty fun character to play as. But I would argue that anything in this game that comes after that final credit sequence is not canon. Oh, yeah. The the, the side quest characters, Maz, Kosha, and the Great Fairies, I would call them a uh, soft canon inclusion. Where it's like, ah, you know, maybe, yeah, ah, mm, whatever. And maybe we could talk about the fact that it's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, Zelda would definitely get a motorcycle made for herself. Remember when I joked, like, no, I said that the motorcycle was probably going to be there, and then you were like, no. No, I didn't believe. <laughs> I was a Definitely, fool. yes, it is here. I was a buffoon. Well, but- so the monks have been waiting 10,000 years for Link to show up, but then they don't, <laughs> he doesn't need them. Yeah, the the monks in this timeline go like, oh, all right. And then they just get out, go, they leave and go on with their lives. You think they just come out? <laughs> I mean, Maskosha came out. I think everybody else dissolved. They're just like, oh, fuck it. Maskosha's like, well, I'm going, I showed up to have a fight. <laughs> I can still move my body. <laughs> I'm here to whoop someone's ass. Well, they just have to wait for uh, the sequel. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's still be really- down there. Ganon is still getting a sequel to this game where it's Ganondorf coming out a hundred years early or whatever. Only it's a version of the setting where all the champions are still alive would be extremely cool. Yes, it would be. I would definitely play that on the Switch Professional. Uh, Calamity Ganon, how does he play? He's fun. Um, I think that he's not very good, but he's fun. Uh, he's way too big. He's very slow. He turns the entire screen red anytime he goes ham on people. And he takes huge amounts of damage and it just gives you, it gives you a headache and the frame rate tanks. He's a definitely the Switch professional character. And the Guardian. The battle-tested Guardian. That thing's broken. <sighs> so overall, um, what are our, th- our thoughts and feelings about this game? 
I had it was it was pretty good. I I was surprised how effective the battle scenes felt and how meaty the cutscenes were. Yeah, it was way more movie than I thought would be in it. It really shows that, you know, <laughs> we've referred to this back uh, over and over again, but the moment when Nintendo thought, gee, Hyrule Warriors had a lot of promise, but that story was shit. <laughs> we are taking over and just writing a Zelda story. It also makes Breath of the Wild much more tragic. It does. Uh-huh. That's the best kind of fan fiction. It really, it really did a good job, and I know there are people out there who are sad that it, it, it was a happy, fluffy ending, but it really is for the best that it was like this. It's sweet in a way that enhances Breath of the Wild's bitterness. Especially because we're going back to the Breath of the Wild. I mean, people will crack open Breath of the Wild at any time, but we are going to revisit and continue along Breath of the Wild too. That much sadder version of the setting mm-hmm. after learning what could have been if we had managed to somehow get past Rome's fuck-ups. Oh, it made Rome into an even bigger villain than he was before, though. Made Rome worse. Worse. I don't know, maybe uh, Link will travel to this timeline where 100 years from now they they got Sky Islands. Oh, that that would be really interesting and ridiculous. Let's set up this football for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Breath of the Wild sequel will unite the timelines of Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild 2 Age of Calamity. No. This, so this is Bre- there's Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild 2 Age of Calamity, and then, sorry, Breath of the Wild Skyward Sword 2, Breath of the Wild 2 Age of Calamity, <laughs> Breath of the Wild 3 Skyward Sword 3. The um, Leviathans are not in this game, so I guess they must have been killed 10,000 years ago. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep. Uh, the fact that the the tapestry in the beginning was altered by Terrico showing up, it made me think that, like earlier today, like, is this another situation like Skyward Sword where the 10,000 years ago is actually referring to now? I think... That's meant to imply that whatever uh, divine screw made him so powerful, it was part of another guy 10,000 years ago. But we see, like, the tapestry, Terrico zaps in due to to traveling through time. He appears. Oh, yeah. In the 10,000... The 10,000 years ago tapestry, by Terrico's appearance, is implied to be the right now tapestry. Right. And then there's two champions of each on each beast. Shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We wanted to talk about this. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh. So it's another, probably another Skyward Sword situation where at least part of the legend is actually referring to now. And that that would make sense because... Because Terrico had knowledge of a timeline that hadn't even come into existence until it traveled back in time to create that timeline. So it's like, whatever time bullshit you want, Terrico can know it. Oh, okay, so that might actually be leaving breadcrumbs for parts of how the sequel to Breath of the Wild works. (laughs) Yeah, it could. (laughs) Come on, you said you wanted a football. Yeah, I mean, I do want to play in this space. I just know we're doing the playable Zelda thing. (laughs) But it is fun to play in this space. It's fun to play in the space. Look, 
we know that this isn't going to be what it is. We know that Nintendo hasn't told us what the hell the Breath of the Wild sequel actually is. We know that for some reason, we don't even know what the gameplay hook is. Because if they had told us that part, they would have shown us the title. So we, we, we are... We are very ignorant about what the sequel to Breath of the Wild is. So I think it's okay to set ourselves up a whole bunch of footballs and just keep kicking at them until we find one that we land on. We're casting our nets very broadly. (laughs) That makes it sound much better than doing the Peanuts comparison. What do you think it will be, Crystal? Uh, What do you mean? What do you think? Like, will this game... And it's depictions of the lore, it, given that it is written by the same people, matter at all is it in the sequel. Is it written by the same people? I, I, Nintendo certainly supervised it, I would think. But the writers I'm seeing on Wikipedia are not the ones on Breath of the Wild. Mm. I think they're Omega Force people. Mm. You know what? Then maybe, maybe... So you think, but surely, surely that tapestry change wouldn't have got just gotten by because that's that's some stuff. I don't know. They got the Hateno Lab by. That was only in the English translation. Mm, okay, that's a treehouse messed up that one. Yep. Yep. Sure did. That was fun. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we had a big, meaty, potentially canon Zelda episode. Yeah. Episode 23 I'm, I'm, at last. I'm glad that this game exists. Yes. It, 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 it's a good lore holdover until we get the actual sequel. And we have more DLC coming up. I can't believe we managed to cover the entire thing in one episode, actually. Good job, team. Yeah. Good job, Crystal. Not episode 23, episode 22. What was episode 21? Oh, that's right. We did Breath of the Wild twice. Right. Wait. And that's we're, 20, we're, but then it occurs the timeline is 21. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So this is the first this is the first game that's not titled The Legend of Zelda that we're treating as canon. Uh Four Swords ah, does yes, not have right. a Legend of Zelda in the title. That's true, and it's still canon. Unless you count the full title of the game as The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past plus Four Swords. And I and <laughs> and you know that we do. <laughs> Although is Anniversary Edition have Zelda in the title? Yes, it does. Oh, okay. And highly is a clock in that one. <laughs> okay, well. Uh... I want to say that we should do a mailbag later, but right now we've managed to cram the entirety of Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, Breath of the Wild 2 into a single episode, which for us is quite the feat. I'm really impressed. Two-hour recording, we, that's that's a that's a good podcast. That's a podcast. That'll edit down to like 100 minutes. We'll definitely do a mailbag and address at least the Age of Calamity questions. Oh, of yeah. Which there are a few. Yeah. That might have to be after I come back from Louisiana. Have fun. Thanks. Fuck. Enjoy the Q-tip up your nose. <laughs> Thanks. Camera work people uh, find you online. You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can support me at patreon.com slash Arcane Crystal, where you could be listening to this episode a week early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on MCU Complete Me, a show that's kind of like this, but it's about Marvel movies and a lot of Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Lately. 
you can find me on Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast where I play a character in a fun little adventure where she has like a stand or a persona type character. That's pretty cool. Hey, Crystal, do you think that calling Age of Calamity what if Avengers Endgame was good is fair? Yeah, it's better than Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, though that's not a super That's not high saying bar. much. The, the climax of the movie doesn't even look good. You can't see anything. Everything's brown. Everything's the same fucking color and there's too many flashing lights. You can't distinguish any of the guys. Why didn't they just like... Why didn't the whole girl squad who showed up all in a row just beat the shit out of Thanos? Because Iron Man's the guy. The one in 14 million. The one for the one in 14 million, Tony Stark. That's nonsense. Like, there, there are so many ways they could have won that battle. Well, you see, if, if you watch the Loki television show, you will see that the integrity of the sacred timeline is maintained by the timekeepers. So... If it didn't go that way, they just would have gone in and made sure it did. That's ridiculous. Crystal, are y'all going to do the Disney shows? Uh, what, what I've said to Luke is if he wants to do them, we will do them. But he is not obligated to do them. <laughs> oh, you're being very kind to him. Black Widow will be done at some uh, yeah, point. That's a movie. Not immediately after it comes out. Well, yeah, you got to give yourself time to pirate it. Yeah, no, I would never make him pay for Black Widow. <laughs> I would never ask that. Of him. No, God. It'll appear on Disney and not be charged the extra Disney price. I would never ask order. Luke to subscribe to Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, okay. Never ask he, anyone. He suffered too much. He he's been through a lot for a guy who just doesn't actually care for Marvel movies that much. Crystal. Would you tell us a joke? It comes from laughgap.com slash egg-puns-and-jokes. Oh, God. Yay! What day do eggs hate the most? What day? Friday. Uh, Ooh, fried eggs are great, though. They are pretty tasty. Get some salt in there. All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.